from Chris Southern. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. So thank you for um, for having me. So I thought, uh, given that we're at the very beginning of Holy Week, to kind of um, we hear obviously Friday is Good Friday, and we oftentimes hear um, a lot of times um, even when we pray, we we thank God because we say that He paid our what. He paid our what debt, um, and so um, this understanding of what he means he paid our debt can be um, understood in different ways, and the different denominations have kind of different uh, different ways of understanding it. So I thought maybe to just reflect on um, one aspect of what he means when it said uh, when it says that he paid our debt. Does that sound sound okay? Close. Um, Okay. So, um, to answer this question, um, what does it mean he paid our debt? Um, we're going to look at through a parable, if that's, that's okay. All right. And my style is I'm going to have you guys uh, kind of interact with me. Okay. So, um, I need someone because I'm not going to be reading. You guys will be reading. Can someone go to Matthew chapter 18? Pull out your phones. This is the first. It's okay now to pull out your phone. Matthew chapter 18. Verse, we're going to start in verse, I'll tell you, verse 20, 21. Okay, can I have, can I have you read? I'm going to stop, I'm going to stop you. Can everyone hear me? Yes. No. Okay. All right, I'm going to have different people, different people read. So go ahead and I'm going to stop you, um, I'm going to stop you, uh, a lot. <laughs> so go ahead and read. Let me first get there myself. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying... Sorry, Matthew 18? Mm -hmm. Chapter uh, 21? Oh. Verse 21? Verse Yeah. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him up to seven times. Okay, stop right, stop right there. So Peter asks him a question. How many times should I forgive my brother? And he says, up to seven times. What do you think Peter is thinking Christ is going to answer him? What was that? Once. Once? Okay. Once? Okay. What was that? More. But what do you think Peter, he almost says it, almost sarcastic, up to seven times? He's probably thinking Christ is going to be like, wow, St. Peter, you are a saint. That's why you're going to be called a saint. And that's why you're going to have churches, what, built after you because you are willing to go ahead and forgive up to what? Seven, Seven times. So he's thinking, right, Christ is going to give him a good what, pat on the back. All right. Okay. And of course, as always, Christ pulls, pulls one on us. Okay, continue. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. 
And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and that payment be made. Okay, stop. Stop right there. So, who are the two people that we have in the story so far? A master and servant. Very good. Now, remember, Christ is telling, uh, telling this what? Parable. Right? Okay. Right now, at this point, the, the people that are hearing him are scratching their head. They're like, there's something wrong. Because how much does this master, does the servant owe the master? 10,000 talents. How much is one talent worth? Anyone know how much one talent is worth? One talent is actually worth 15 years of work. So one talent is worth 15 years of work. So how many years does he owe him? A thousand times that. So for the mathematically challenge, that would be 100 what? 50? Thousand talents. Or, right? Years of what? Work. So right now, the, the, all of the people hearing him saying, this is an unrealistic example. This doesn't what? Make sense because the amount can't be what? Paid. No way. Right? Okay. And it's not like just maybe 100 years, 150 years. It's what? 150,000 years. So the disciples, the people hearing this, are definitely confused at this point. Okay, continue. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. Okay, stop right there. Okay, so what ends up happening? What was that? He's forgiven, right? Okay. He asks, notice in verse, in verse 25, um, but he was not able to pay, with, uh, to pay his master. Um, his, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and that payment be made. Obviously, even if they sold his wife, children, still not going to yeah. be, able, be able to pay it. So he says, Master, have patience with me, and I will... Pay you all. Okay. Um, anyone notice anything strange about verse 27? There's something strange about verse 27. The master had compassion and what? Mercy. What was that? Mercy. Had mercy and did what to him? Forgave him. Forgave him. Now, did he ask for forgiveness? No. 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 He just said, give me what? Time. And clearly we know that time wasn't going to do anything. <laughs> right? But the master goes ahead and what? Forgives him even before, or he didn't even what? Ask him. And he forgave him. Okay, very good. Then this servant goes, he's now forgiven, and what does he do? Find somebody that owes him money. Exactly. And how much does he owe? 100 denarii. How much is 100 denarii worth? How many? Hundred what? Days. How do we know that 
one dinar is equal to one day's worth? What was that? The parable of the 11th hour, right? Where he finds workers at the very beginning and the middle of the day and he says, I will pay you a denarii at the day. Very good. So, let's review first. Okay, so the, there's two kind of relationships. The first is between what? The master and what? Servant. Servant, okay. And how much does he owe? 150,000, what? He can't, what? Pay that debt. Good? And then this master and this, the other master, okay, what's their relationship? Servant to servant. How much does he owe? Or a hundred what? Days. Okay, let's continue. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. Okay. Um, what's strange about verse 29? It's the same what? It's the same line that he himself what? Used. used. Okay. And then read verse 30 again. 30? 30, yeah. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. Okay. Continue. Yeah. So when his fellow servants saw what he had what had been done, they were very grieved, and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. Okay, stop right there. So, There was one debt that, remember we have the master and what? The servant. He was what? Forgiven. There was one debt that he still was not forgiven. There was one thing that he still owed. What was that one thing that he still owed? He still owed one thing. What was that? To forgive the fellow servant. The one thing that he owed, now that he was forgiven, he now owed to forgive what? The others. And we know in this parable, right, the master represents who? Christ. Christ. And the second, and then the first slave represents us. And there is a debt that we can't pay. And no matter what we do, no matter how many matanyas, no matter how many karyalaisons, nothing that we can ever do can repay that, that debt. And then sometimes what ends up happening is what do we do? Remember what ends up happening. He got forgiven. Exactly. We find someone. Now, notice what was the ratio of what the, the first slave owed to the second slave? What was that? It's, it's not comparable. It's not comparable. 150 what? Thousand years to what? 100 days. Nothing. But isn't that sometimes what we do? We have been forgiven what? Everything. A debt that we can't pay back. 
And then we find our brother or sister or someone that we're angry at and we end up saying, but you don't know what this person did to me. But he did this. And he went to this extreme. And we hold it as if it's something what? Really, really, really high. But in comparison to what Christ forgave us, it is nothing. And the one, we said this, the one debt that we owed is to forgive. To forgive the debt. One of the things that we say, right, in the Our Father um, prayer is, um, and actually I remember this from St. Mary's growing up, we would actually say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as in heaven. Forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. So what is the debt that we, because we say, forgive us our what? Debts. What is the debt that we, that we're asking? What was that? Sins, okay. Go to, let's go to Romans chapter 13. Are you there? Romans chapter 13, verse 8. Can you read that for me? Owe no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. Okay, read it one more time. Owe no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. So, when we are saying, forgive us our debt, what is the one thing that we owe? Love. So every time we say our Father, right, and we say our Father, Lord in heaven, right, um, six times, right, every time we say when we are saying forgive us our debt, what are we praying? Forgive me the, the debt of love that I have owed what? Today. How many people did I come across today that I owed them to what? Love them. And I did not pay that debt. That is what we are saying when we are saying, forgive us our debt. Because any sin, some, some people said we are saying, forgive us our sins. Well, what is a sin? It is a failure to love. That is ultimately what it comes down to. So when we are saying, forgive us our debt, we are saying, Lord, forgive me the debt of love that I owed today to whoever I, I should have paid love to. Because that is the one debt that we owe. Going back to the, going back to the, um, the parable. The one thing that he owed was to forgive the debt of what? Others. The debt that we owe, because we say Christ paid our what? Our debts. We, were, we are told that we are to love God with all of our what? Hearts, souls, mind, and body. Did Adam do, all, do that? Did anyone after Adam do that? No. The one person that was able to fulfill that debt 
which we owed, which was to love God with all of our hearts, with all of our minds, with all of our souls, was Christ. He paid that debt of love that we couldn't pay. We couldn't pay, we couldn't show God that love. And he ended up, he ended up um, showing that. And I would actually come to say that the entire, from the very, very beginning of the entire Our Father prayer, from the very beginning to the very end, is a prayer of love. And it's good that we're, now that we're saying it so many times, right? Um, We can even contemplate on it a little bit. How does the Our Father prayer begin? Our Father. Okay. Why doesn't it start my Father? That just sounds so much more what? Intimate. Right? It gets me all that gushy feeling. Right? Why don't we just go ahead and say, My Father? What was that? He is Father to everyone. He is a Father to everyone. But what is the message that Christ is saying? We're brothers and sisters. You cannot say, right, our Father. Right. So, if you have no love. Right. Imagine, for example, if I, if I have, if I have um, some kids. Right? If I have got two kids of, of my own. And one of my coworkers says, I, you know what, Michael, I really, 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 really love you. You're amazing. You're the great, I, I really love you. But I hate your kids. Can't stand them. They just annoy me. They bother me. They, but you, I what? You, I love. Me and you were like this. Is that true love? Because my answer is, if you truly what? Love me, you have to what? Love my kids. No way. No way can you say, I love you, unless you what? You love my kids. No way can you say, our father, and call me father, if you hate your brother. Because then you're not, we're not one. We say our father, and then, who art in the heavens? Then what do we end up saying? Hallowed be thy name. What do we mean by when we're saying hallowed be thy name? What does hallow mean? Holy. So we're saying, God, your name is, is not really holy. So please, please make it holy because, you know, it needs a little bit of work. What are we saying when we're saying hallowed be thy name? Holy, so we're, we're telling God, by the way, and I'm just playing devil's advocate, by the way, just in case you didn't know, your name is holy. Just in case. So are we saying, are we letting him, letting him know something that he doesn't know? Are we telling him, make your name holy? When we're saying, hallowed be thy name, what are we saying? What was that? Reminding ourselves. 
Exactly. Make your name holy, what? Through our actions. So that people, right? And how do we do that? Love. Go to John 13. John 13, verse 35. He says, By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. We are, end up, we are saying, right, help me to hallow your name, because the only way that your name can be hallowed is through my what? Through my actions. If I love, others. One of my favorite, favorite sayings is, preach always, and if necessary, use words. We say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Then what do we say? Thy kingdom come. What are we saying? What does it mean, thy kingdom come? What was that? Your kingdom will come. So we're telling him you eventually will come and we know that. That we're waiting for his second coming. What do we end with each of those? Thy kingdom come, that will be done. And each of them should actually end in thy kingdom come, that will be done what? On earth as? Is it in heaven? Well, each of those are actually on earth as is in heaven. Hallowed be thy name, because we know that your name is hallowed in heaven. Let it be hallowed here on earth. Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Right? Help me to live in your kingdom here on earth. Right? As if already living in, in heaven. So, what is the kingdom? being in God's presence. Now, to answer this, I also want to kind of say something else. God often ta- ta- tells us what? To forgive our forgive our uh, enemies, forgive those who what? Hate us and persecute us and do evil against us. What was that? And spitefully use us. Why? Just because God says, here, I've got a nice random commandment. Let's go ahead and just make something hard for you. I like giving you hard commandments. Why does he end up saying? What was that? To practice, to practice love, yeah. He wants to just to practice, kind of like a coach that wants us to tire out. Anyone ever been at a, let's say, gathering, at a party, right, at a um, birthday party, and then you're having a good time and everything is going great, and then someone that you hate, someone that you despise, someone you just always have this thing against them, they come into that party, 
that you're shaking your head yes okay they come into that that room what ends up happening what was that your what was that your mood goes what changes you lose your peace you lose your what joy right my question to myself is that if I, God willing, get to heaven and I end up seeing someone that I hate, will heaven now become my hell? I don't know. If my heart is hard, I think God, Christ tells us to love our enemies for our own sake. Because if we actually can't love, we are by nature taking ourselves out of the kingdom because we can't love. Okay, let me just to kind of prove the point. Do you guys remember the parable of the prodigal sons? I call them prodigal sons. Okay. The father's house rep oftentimes represents what? The kingdom. Very good. When the younger son returned, where was the older son? The older son was not inside. It was outside. The father actually had to leave the party, leave and go outside, and he told them what? Come in. But he refused. Why? What was that? Jealousy. What was that? He was treated treated unfairly. But was that pride? But above all, he couldn't forgive his brother. He couldn't stand to go into what? The house, the kingdom, because he failed to have love. He couldn't love, and by nature. He was outside of the kingdom. And he couldn't even go inside. Because that would have been even worse for him. And I oftentimes think Christ is telling us, love your neighbors, do good to those, right? Not so much as a commandment, do this, but for ourselves. Because if we can't, we can't enjoy the party. We can't enjoy the kingdom. Exactly. You yourself are thrust out. Right? We oftentimes think, oh, am I going to make it into heaven? God's going to say, no, you are in heaven. You don't make it into heaven. It's the condition of our souls. If I can't love, and God is by nature love, I'm not going to be able to stand that. Another example. Do you guys know how the... Um, The parable of the, um, the Good Samaritan. Anyone know how, how it started? Who's my, who's, well, my neighbor? who's my neighbor? And Luke chapter 10. It says this, 
get it. Um, sorry, one second. And behold, a certain, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal what? Life. And then he gives them the parable of what? The Good Samaritan. Why is he giving him the parable of the Good Samaritan when he's asking him, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Which is? Yes, okay. So, what was the answer to who is your neighbor? Because he asked him, who is, who is my neighbor? What was the answer to it? What was that? Exactly. Your neighbor is the person that is directly what? In front of you. They, there was a Levi, a priest, they all what? Saw a person and what? Passed. He didn't answer the question directly, who is your neighbor? Because he's saying, your neighbor is the person that is directly what? Right in front of you. That is your neighbor. Okay, uh, let's let's kind of wrap up. And it says, "Thy will, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy what will be done? What is Christ's will? What is that? For us to be in heaven. Go a little bit deeper." What was that to love? How do we know that? God is love. Abide in my love. He also says this, right? By the uh, by the way, love your neighbor. Uh, love your neighbor as yourself. Is it old or new? Old or New Testament? Old, okay. It's he says it in the in the New Testament, but it is starts from what? The Old Testament. Okay. What's the the New Testament commandment? Uh, what was that? As well, as I have what loved you. A new commandment I give to you to love as what I have what loved you. Why is that a new commandment? Because remember, before it was what? Love your neighbor as what? As yourself. Okay. Now, this is probably, maybe next to the Trinity, this is probably the hardest thing that I have a hard time understanding. Think about it. Everything that we do is always, well, at least I'll speak about myself. Everything that I do is always centered around whom? Around me. Even when I go ahead and do something nice, let's say I go ahead and go serve the homeless, it is still ultimately about me. Because it makes me feel good. And God is saying this. He's saying, don't love your neighbor as yourself because that is actually a pathetic type of love. Because I love you more than what? You love yourself. 
And if you think about it, that's probably the hardest thing to, to understand. Because everything that we do is always centered around ourselves. I eat particular food because that's what I like. And God is telling me I love you more than you love what? Yourself. That's why it's a new commandment. He says don't love your neighbor as yourself because that's pretty bad. Right? Love your neighbor what? As I have loved you. How did he love us? Unconditionally. Without, love has no, okay, I helped, this, I helped you five times. That's enough. Love has no limit. Okay. Um, just so that I know it's nine, so that we can finish on time. Um, I'll end um, with just a few, with a few things. Because we can go throughout the entire Lent and forget and on Good Friday think, okay, great, Christ has what paid my debt. But we have to remember at the end of that, that at the end of Good Friday, he tells us, I have paid all of your debt, but you now owe what? One debt. And our debt that we end that we have to remember is what? To love. Because we can go through this entire thing, and if at the end of it, kind of like was the first slave thankful for the master? I'm sure he was thankful. I'm sure he was. Who he what he wasn't thankful or didn't have love towards what? The other one. And same thing, we can end up at the end of at the end of Holy Week and we can say, Thank you, God. You're amazing. I love you. You're the greatest. You died for me. You did all of these things. But to him, if we don't love pay our, our debt of love, we really haven't what loved him. And sometimes we forget that. We're just like, thank you, God, thank you, God, thank you. And forget, forget. We do the same thing. I love you, I love you, I love you, but I hate your kids. And we've got to be very careful that we don't end Pascha, right, with that attitude. Because Christ says, if you really want to know whether you love me, and saying in the epistles of John it says, right, that how do we know if we love God? If we love our what? Brothers. I'll end some, with some quotes and then we'll, and then we'll pray. Um, this is from St. Gregory Palamas. If you lay down foundations and build walls, so someone goes ahead and builds, is building a house for themselves. Okay. If you lay down foundation and build walls but do not put on a roof, you leave, all, you leave it all useless. Imagine building a house, but you don't put a roof at the end. In the same way, if you acquire every virtue except love, they are all useless and senseless. Uh, but John the Short said, A house is not built by beginning at the top and working down. You must begin with the foundation in order to reach the top. They said to him, What does this mean? He said, The foundation is our neighbor, whom we must win. And that is the place to begin, for all, 
the commandments of Christ depend on this alone. St. Cosmo says, If we do not forgive our enemies, all the good things we possess will be lost. Brethren, even if we do thousands upon thousands of good deeds, keep fast, say prayers, give alms, even if we shed our blood for the love of Christ, but are found to lack love of God and love of neighbor, and harbor hate and, and ill feelings towards our fellows, all those good things that we have done are of the devil, and we are on our way to hell. And I think, and this is the last thing that actually I'll say. In the parable, <coughs> could the first the ma the master pay the debt, or sorry? The, the one that owed 150, what, thousand years, he can what, pay his debt. We can probably end up tweaking this parable and end up saying, the king, the master, seeing that the slave could not pay the debt, sent his son to go out and what, work in the fields to what, pay the debt. And I think this is what it means for us to pay our debt. Is if we share in what? The sufferings of others. Um, we oftentimes, right, um, we oftentimes fail to do that. Um, and if I can find it, I'll end with this prayer. If not, then we can just finish. I can't find it, but that's okay. So, um, so I guess that would be um, a thing just to kind of remember as we are going through Pascat is to remember what we now owe to Christ. Right? Is Christ loved? Is Christ paid the debt of complete love with all our hearts, all our minds, all our souls, and He loved what our neighbors, and that is the debt that we now owe to Him to do that. Glory to God. Thank you very much, Michael. Uh, actually, it's uh, very simple, very deep. I never looked at that parable that way. Um, I'm learning something new. And I'm actually very happy that uh, Michael is here. I'm very happy that Michael is here because uh, he reminds me of the good old days in St. Mary. Michael and I will go way back in St. Mary. Um, but before we pray, uh, I have two questions, not for you, not for me, but that's for everyone to meditate on, on that parable. How did this slave, the first slave, end up owing that much? Like, how, like, what did he do? Like, uh, like you know, how did he end up owing all that money, 150 years old of wages? How did he end up owing that money? Just think about it. And the other point, like, how rich is the master? 
if he gives only that slave a hundred thousand talents. So how rich is that master? Those are just two uh, points for, for us to meditate more and this parable beautiful uh, explanation by Michael. Thank you very much, Michael. And we're really blessed uh, having you among us and appreciate your time among us. So we'll stand up, we'll pray, in conclusion, and then you can go.